Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Talking Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell here. As we are bringing you Talking Circles, tonight we are talking about the season finale 500 and the crowning of the champion in the 2020 NASCAR Cup Series season. Chase Elliott is the latest NASCAR Cup Series champion. We're going to talk about the whole race, break it all down for you, and also we had three drivers making their final races, their final starts in the Cup Series. Matt Kenseth, um, Clint Boyer, and Jimmy Johnson all ran their final races. We'll discuss what their careers meant. And, of course, we'll break down the whole race. But Chase Elliott, he led 153 laps, 153 to 312 laps, went to victory lane, and he was crowned a champion. Here was a, a, a team that came into the playoffs a little bit under the radar. I'm not sure a lot of people felt like this nine car was where they needed to be when the playoffs started. But as soon as the playoffs started, Chase Elliott and that nine car really picked up their performance. And I feel like this is something that we've seen from Hendrick Motorsports in the past. We always saw it with Jimmy Johnson in the 48 when they won their championships. They picked it up right when September came. Chase, fifth at Richmond, seventh at Bristol, which was pretty good, 22nd at Vegas, but since Talladega, fifth, first at the Rovals, sixth at Kansas, 20th at, at Charlotte, or Fort Worth, excuse me, at Texas. He won at Martinsville when he needed to get a win and get in, and he wins when he needed to at Phoenix. And what made that win even more impressive, Philip, was he had to come from the rear to do it after failing post-race inspection and a laser twice. He comes from the rear works his way up to the top 10, eventually to the lead, leads 153 laps, and is crowned a champion. What were your thoughts on Sunday's event from Phoenix? Well, the uh, the, the most popular driver, William Clyde Elliott II, Redneck Jesus Jr., whatever you want to call him, uh, Chase, went out there and did something, Clayton, that I don't think we've seen out of Chase since his uh, rookie year in the Xfinity series, he just went out there and took it away from three veterans on uh, Sunday. He um, started tailback. Uh, It's convenient. Um, Fits a good narrative there, but his car was just ridiculous. I mean, I think they, they talked about the changing of the guard and passing of the torch. I think the golden horseshoe was firmly shoved up Chase's butt uh, by Jimmy Johnson and, the way he's run these last two weeks, he looked like Jimmy Johnson and uh, he looked like Jeff Gordon and Hendrick Motorsports look like what they used to look like for many years before this little downturn. But long story short, Chase Elliott looked like an elite driver and he's the third youngest cup champion in series history. And he joins, I think it was, Rexford and Jeff Gordon, and then it's himself and then Kurt Busch. I mean, it's it's an unbelievable deal. Uh, the Penske cars were up there, gave him a fight. Both Penske cars won a stage. The 22 was a factor all all day, and uh, he felt like they were going to be a factor, not just because of what they did at Phoenix earlier this year, but you can never count out Joey Logano. He's People hate him. It would have been a funny story to see him win. The amount of people have been angry, but uh, they didn't have a long run pace, and uh, the nine car did. They they executed, and for the last two weeks, they executed better than anybody else. And because of that, uh, William Clyde Elliott II joins his father as a Cup Series champion, and uh, it's a big deal for the sport in uh, in a year where so many people are retiring and all these things are changing and all that we've gone through with this pandemic and are going to continue to go through. Uh, It's something, it's a bit of good news for a sport that's dying for it. Yeah. Apparently t-shirt sales are really high today for Chase Elliott winning this championship. And he did a great job and it's second straight week felt that your guy, you know, listen, I was very impressed with Kulowski throughout this whole year. I think it was a, especially right when it seemed like him and, and Jeremy Bowens got together and really started to figure each other out about midpoint of the year. And they were really fast, especially on this 750 package, but they just didn't have enough for that nine car. Uh, Brad Kozlowski was second, and he had Joey Logano third, and Denny Hamlin fourth. Those were your championship four drivers. The drivers that 
chance to win the championship on Sunday. That's where they ended up. You mentioned Logano at 125 laps. He was good early, but Chase Elliott was just better later. Um, but Kozlowski, it seemed like when that racetrack got cooler for the second straight week, um, and the sun started to set, he was fast, but just didn't have enough to chase down uh, Chase Elliott. As a Brad Kozlowski fan, he's got a title before. We know that. Um, what do you look at this 2020 season as? You know, I mentioned earlier that the first season with Jeremy Bowen was his crew chief. He had Paul Wolf before that forever. And uh, do you think this is a building block? What do you think, Brad? What, what's your overall thoughts on this two-cars uh, season for, for Brad Kozlowski finishing second in points? I mean, you want to – the it's a couple of things. I mean, it's a great question for sure, Clayton. Uh, you know, as a fan, um, glad that the 750 package, uh, they the two-team – really was able to make it work, especially on flatter racetracks. Uh, he had a car yesterday that was definitely the second best car for sure. Um, could have been possibly been the best car if he had track position. Um, you know, it really came down to pit stops. You win as a team, you lose as a team. Unfortunately, pit stops weren't there yesterday. And at a track and at a race where you have a very short amount of time, it's very hard to gain all that time back. Uh, it's one thing I really don't care for with this Phoenix uh, finale is they're the shortest races, some of the shortest races of the year. And uh, that's unfortunate for Brad. He had a good car there in March. Uh, he had a chance yesterday, but it wasn't good enough. Uh, it's a building block year. Bullens proved that he belongs. He said he wanted to keep Brad here, or Brad at Kipensky Racing, at least for another year he's going to be there. Uh, but you consider the amount of free agent drivers that are going to be around here. Jones, I would think, is a top candidate uh, to look at uh, for the future. Sindrick's going to be getting into 21 cars, so people are going to talk about DiBurrito. Um, You never know. I mean, you, you, you win over 30 cup races and a championship, and he's a Hall of Famer, basically, uh, for all intents and purposes, in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Uh, he's gotten close. This is probably the closest he's been because he's actually been able to get to this spot. He's been better or been as good at times. I think 14 and 16 were great examples of years where they probably let it go and let it slip. And he said it yesterday along with Logano that, you know, after all those years together, they didn't perform when they needed to. And you brought it up last year. I think it was in the, in the off season or post season and, he, you, you mentioned about, you know, maybe they break up Brad and, and Paul, and I didn't think it was possible. It happened, and in the end, it worked out for all three teams. And uh, I do believe if Brad wants to stay long-term at Penske Racing, I think this team, with some improvements, being able to perform a little better on the 550 tracks, um, can contend again for a championship, even with, you know, the rise of Clyde. No doubt, and again, it just shows you, and you know how I questioned that move about the crew chiefs in January, and it just shows you how Roger Penske just knows what he's doing because not only did Brad make the championship four, but Joey Logano did as well, and Logano was very, very strong, and he had a crew chief change as well. Paul Wolf there, who's a tremendous crew chief, um, as well. A good run for Logano. Look at his year, almost similar to Brad, except he wasn't as good as Brad. I felt like Joey sort of got in because he won there at Texas and um, you know, he wasn't great all year, but they had a decent season and he was able again to build on. I think the pandemic really hurt some of these guys who were used to going to the racetrack and working on their cars for practice. And uh, I think Joe Logano was hurt by that, but they shouldn't hang their heads low today. Uh, They had a great playoffs as well. They get in at Texas. They did a great job, but the guy I really want to focus on here is Denny Hamlin. And, and this is another season where Denny Hamlin's had a really good year, Philip. Um, you know, Hamlin for the majority of the season was looked at as the second fiddle to Kevin Harvick. Um, six wins last year, finished fourth in the points. Seven wins this year, finished fourth in the points. Third in 2014, second in 2010. We all remember what happened when he won eight races that year. He won five races in 2012, finished sixth in points. 
Uh, even in his rookie year, he finished third in the standings. So it just seems like he's close, but no cigar every year for Denny Hamlin in this 11 car. And that's, again, the the situation at Phoenix. I, I was a little disappointed by this team's performance on Sunday. Sure, they finished fourth, and they were pretty good. But compared to the rest of the championship four, I felt like they, they were kind of out to lunch. And, um, you know, if I'm a Denny Hamlin fan, I'm, I'm frustrated. You know, he's now going to be pushing uh, 40 years old here, and you got to start wondering if he's going to be that guy to get a championship um, in his career. He's going to be 40 years old in a couple of, of days, in a couple of weeks, actually. So, you know, he's got more years behind him than he has in front of him, and he won seven races this year, like I said, six last year, and yet he came out. It's not that you're losing the championships. That would be one thing, but – to come here on on Sunday at Phoenix and not lead a lap and really not really be up there at all battling for a lead or battling for a championship, I'd be pretty disappointed with that. What are your thoughts on Hamlin's performance on Sunday? Yeah, if he came out and I don't know who asked <clears throat> who asked him in the media uh, this week, would it would you consider your your career a disappointment if you never win a championship? And he's like, and he, of course he comes out and says, no, I wouldn't. But every person who says that is somebody who's never won it before. Um, even if you've gone a little, you've had a little bit of an issue of, uh, or taken time to win one, you've been able to, and a lot of them have. I mean, literally, he's only six wins away from being having the most wins for any driver that's never won a championship. That's, of course, the legendary late great Junior Johnson. Um, and I guess there's the parallels continue in that sense because now he's going to be a car owner um, starting next year. And he's tied with one of his heroes, Bill Elliott, for 44 cup wins. And, of course, Bill Elliott, I mean, you know it, uh, with the way that uh, he was awesome. Bill was great on the big tracks and then struggled on the short tracks but and couldn't really get the consistency. And then, of course, you run into the buzzsaw that is Dale Earnhardt. Um, and then Durwood and three years in a row. And he had cars and ability to win those championships all those years, but just didn't have the consistency. And then in 88, he was able to battle Rusty Wallace and go and get that championship. Um, you know, he's been all over the place. Hamlin FedEx is behind him full force. They don't, they're never going to get rid of him. Uh, no matter how many questionable things he does, his driving ability, he's got 44 freaking cup wins. I mean, you know, and he's passed a bunch of guys that have championships. He's passed Mark Martin, of course, and you know, the, the, he, you know, the next person that's active right now is Brad, and he has 34 wins. So, it, it's a disappointment. Last year they gave it away um, on pit road. Uh, you know, this 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 race they weren't even a factor. The 750 rules package did not work for him or for Kyle Busch, really, this whole entire year. Uh, Truex was the only one that was kind of able to make it work, and that was mainly Martinsville, a little bit of Richmond, I think, too. But I, it w- I would be disappointed, you know. I mean, But for Kevin Harvick, definitely has to be disappointed after everything that he did this year to, to not be able to close. And I think for Ke- Hamlin, I mean, this has been a, a pattern anyway. Uh, he's been known as somebody that can get there, but then when it counts, he's not able to close the deal. Um, it's ironic that one of his closest friends is one of the most clutch <laughs> people ever, uh, his co-owner uh, for that uh, cup team next year. So that's something. But, um, yeah, it's it, it's a, a lost season, really, for both Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin, because I don't see – now that there's this whole season, basically two-thirds of a season run in this format and that it's going to be similar to that way next year, I'm sure they have good momentum and they have good things and, and notes, but you're talking about the likes of Chase Elliott with all the great momentum he has. You have other drivers that have been able to prepare. Kyle Busch got over his um, uh, not winning for a long time and, there's other people, you know, you've got other guys coming into this sport. you got all the Penske guys that were up there. I mean, you have to wonder when is the time going to run out 
for Danny Hamlin to close this deal, um, especially when you consider who he has as an, in his own shop as a as teammates, let alone his own driver that he's going to have next year. One guy I think you have to really um, feel happy for about this championship, Philip, and I'm sorry I had technical difficulties there, uh, but one guy I had to, you had to feel super happy for um, with, these, with this whole playoff format and, and winning this championship was uh, Alan Gustafson. And, and, you know, what Hendrick has really done for me, Philip, and, and something that I think the 11 car has failed to do and the 4 car has failed to do in the, in the playoffs this year, and, you know, when I go back and look at, at the – at the results of Denny Hamlin, and it, I'm going somewhere with this, so just bear with me. But Hamlin, at the, in the playoffs, had three top five finishes: fourth at Phoenix, his win at Talladega, and third at Las Vegas. That's it. And I feel like Hendrick Motorsports in the past, we saw it with Jimmy Johnson a lot in this format. They win races when they have to. Uh, and you know, I actually had a Chase Elliott fan text me over the over the weekend and say, "Hey, listen, you know." Um, I'm really nervous about Chase Elliott. I don't know how he's going to do. You know, I'm a huge Elliott fan. I don't know how he's going to do. And I said, well, Chase has got two things going for him. He's red hot, and he's proven he can win races when he has to. And I feel like the 11 and the 4 were really, really good in the summer months, but struggled badly uh, in the playoffs. And that's just not going to get it done. When, when you want to win a championship in this format now, you have to be clicking on all cylinders in these playoffs, and Hendrick Motorsports has done that. They've built fast race cars. They came out, and, and Latart told you yesterday that, you know, Hendrick had new race cars this weekend. I'm not sure what Hamlin did. We know Brad didn't. Brad bought one of his older cars, and it was still very good, but it wasn't great. Uh, and it makes you sit there and wonder if some of these teams need to look at what Rick Hendrick and his team has done here over the last, you know, five or six years and kind of copy that model. Uh, and copy being fast when it counts. But, you know, and the guy to me, Philip, who deserves a lot of credit for that, and the guy who really has been a great crew chief in this sport for a long, long time is Alan Gustafson. Uh, started off as crew chief in 2005 at Hendrick Motorsports with Kyle Busch, and then he went to Mark Martin, had a great year with Mark Martin in 2009. Uh, Jeff Gordon's crew chief for a while there, won a ton of races with him, and now he's with Chase Elliott. And Gustafson's been close in the past while a lot of races Never was able to close the deal. But when you look at that nine car and all this talk we've had about Hendrick Motorsports, eh, they're not as what they used to be. They seem to be off. Well, guess what? They just won their cha- a championship. And that nine team was sort of the outlier. We said, well, everybody else at Hendrick Motorsports but Chase Elliott because they have Alan Gustafson. Um, I'm not trying to take anything away from Chase Elliott because he's a hell of a race car driver. He does a great job. But – Alan Gustafson should not be overlooked here. He's one of the best crew chiefs in the garages, garage area, and he deserves that championship that he got on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. He deserves a championship just for the fact he hasn't aged in 15 years, and he had to deal with being the crew chief of Kyle Busch um, and having to deal with uh, the the fan base of Clyde, too. That's uh, amazing to me. I, I looked at the pic. They are showing the pictures, the throwbacks to when he was – uh, the crew chief for Kyle Busch when he was a rookie and 
he, I think they also mentioned he worked with Terry Labonte when Terry Labonte went uh, part-time, uh, which, I mean, of course, Texas Terry, I think, ran another 18 years or whatever after he retired full-time from uh, cup competition. But uh, the fact is the amount of legendary drivers he's worked with, every single one of them is a champion. And now he can say he took a driver to the across the finish line made him a champion and they've built this thing and there's been times I've said it on here and elsewhere there that I thought that Greg Ives and and Chase had a great partnership in the Xfinity series and they did so well together and they dominated that Junebug wanted him to replace Latart and they put him there and he's been at that car ever since um, I've always felt like I would want to see what that would be like but now hey Alan Gustafson is the lead crew chief at Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, there's um, now that Chad Kanaus is the director of competition, and uh, he's off the road. Uh, you know, they, they, it's it's Alan Gustafson's team, and uh, he he went out there these last two weeks. Made they prepared two great race cars. Um, of course, they had the typical, you know, the Chad Canals kind of situation there with the inspection. Uh, usually that hits a Joe Gibbs car, but in this case, it hit an Hendrick car. But it, you, I joked around about the Golden Horseshoe, of course. I mean, that it kind of seemed that way because it felt like Jimmy Johnson, you know. Oh, you send me to the back. Ah, who cares? I have more track. I have two tenths on the field. And the guy was getting – I haven't seen a car – on a flat track, I mean, I mean, Brad did did it at, at at New Hampshire, granted, but the way Chase Elliott was able to get through the center of the corner, just pass at at will, like no, they didn't exist. Uh, that was a performance that um, it's. I mean, we're going to talk about other pieces, other things that have changed, or things that are going to be changing, but that was a an elite performance after all these years for Alan Gustafson working all these legendary drivers now he can go and hitch his he can put his name in that box as being a as a crew chief of a championship at Hendrick Motorsports but also that this is just the beginning you know you know it's only he's been Chase has been this cup series for five years but there's a whole lot more to come and 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 uh, Gustafson's just going to be riding this this train and for all the fans that all of the Clyde fans that didn't like him, you like him a lot more today than or after the last two weeks than you might have ever liked him before and get used to it. He ain't ever getting, he ain't ever getting let go and he's never going to be, it's going to be a long time before that ever changes with Chase and him. They're going to be together a long time. Oh, no question. And I don't know how you couldn't like Alan Gustafson. He's a great crew chief and, you know, like I said before, and, and you talked about it earlier, he doesn't age. He's only 40-something years old, so 45 years old. So, I mean, he started here 15 years ago when he was 30. So, I mean, he's if he wants to do it, you know, he's got 15, 20 years left in him. If he really wants it, he can certainly do that. And and you talked about Chase Elliott and how young Chase Elliott is. He's 24 years old. I mean, I know there's been a lot of, of flack. I think a lot of it was a lot of pressure put on him. You know, his dad's a, a, a legend. He, he took over for Jeff Gordon. Uh, and you know, and then he changes number nine, of course. But you know, I think a lot of people expect, put the expectations on on that kid really, really high. Um, and you know, for the first year or two, you were like, "Oh man, maybe this kid's a little bit overrated." But now, if you look at it and you say, five years into his Cup career, he's got a championship. He's got eleven wins now. I mean. He's doing things that Hendrick Motorsports hasn't done in a while, and these are down years for what we consider down years for Hendrick Motorsports. So if they can really get their hands around this new car coming in 2022, um, and they should. There's no reason why they should. They couldn't. Uh, he's going to be a, a cup champion contender for a long, long time, one of a few drivers to ever win both an Xfinity and Cup Series championship now. So congratulations to Chase Kelly. He's a hell of a wheel man. Nice, nice kid. I mean, I, love, I rooted for his dad when he was a kid when I was a kid uh, and I was excited, Bill, that's about as excited as you'll, you'll ever see Bill get. I don't think Bill, I got saw Bill get that, that excited. Maybe outside yeah. his win at uh, Indianapolis 
when Bill won Indianapolis, he was excited. But other than that, I hadn't really seen him get that excited. Um, and it was great to see Bill come over and Cindy come over and, and hug Chase and uh, the joy. And that's what the sport's all about, family yeah. and everything like that. And uh, speaking of family, we saw some family uh, interactions as well before the race with both Jimmy Johnson uh, and Clint Boyer uh, running their last races here in the Cup Series at Phoenix. Jimmy Johnson, a pretty good day, Philip. I mean, wasn't great, but finished fifth, one of his better runs of the year, and then Clint Boyer ended up 14th, but Boyer was a top-10 car for a little while there as well. Uh, but what can you say about Jimmy Johnson? I mean, seven-time champion. He puts himself into the, the same situation, uh, same category as Earnhardt and Christian Petty. I know people are going to look at those championships differently. That's a different discussion for a different day. Uh, but 83 wins, I mean, you know, when for me, and I know for you as well, we sort of grew up in the same era, and I know there was a beginning of our fan, fanship, but really right I, what I call the meet. I was 14 years old, excuse me, 13 years old, when Jimmy Johnson won his first race on this in, 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 in the Cup Series. Uh, and really from 13 years old to, 32, to 30, 31 years old, I watched Jimmy Johnson perform. And I'll tell you what, from that 15 years that he was in his prime was incredible. And I always compare. I always said that he and, and Chad were the New England Patriots of Nat, of NASCAR because every year everybody wrote them off said this is the year Jimmy and Chad are going to go away. They never went away. It was insane to watch. They finally broke up after the 2018 season, and you know three lackluster years to end the season, end of career for Jimmy Johnson. Missed the race this year and uh, due to COVID, and I think that really took him out of the playoffs this year. But overall, I mean, there, there's nothing you could say. 83 wins in an era that a lot of people consider um, the most competitive era in NASCAR history. He did it with all sorts of different kind of race cars, all sorts of different kind of rule packages, all sorts of different kind of championship formats. Jimmy Johnson prevailed through it all and won seven championships. Um, I don't know how you feel, but I've always felt Jimmy hasn't gotten the recognition he deserves for seven championships. But since he ran his final race, well, his final full-time race, there's talk he might come back for a few t- races here and there. But what, were your, what are your thoughts on Jimmy Johnson as he rounded up his uh, virtually rounded up his Cup career here um, on Sunday? It's it's crazy, Clayton. You know what we're going through right now and in the world and all the different things and partisan and all the things. But Jimmy Johnson, I there was for years I could not stand that 48 car I wanted I it's like whatever the word like I just wanted him to fall out blow an engine do whatever I couldn't stand him I couldn't stand Canals but the irony is like it's I guess to be getting older and I think it always happens like once you know that they've kind of become more human you know they they come back to normal it doesn't go as well for them it, you start to appreciate what they, who they are and what they're about. Jimmy Johnson started 26 yesterday. He was basically buried. He was in the back half of the field. He didn't have good pit selection or anything. He drove up to fifth. He had a top five car basically the whole entire day. His, his protege or whatever you want to call it, Chase, went and blasted by everybody because of the golden horseshoe. But Jimmy Johnson looked like himself. And I think and I was saying that I said it multiple times on another and you know, whoever I'm like, most drivers, they get to their final cup race of their career and they're barely hanging on. They're running in the back. It's embarrassing. They're just basically trying to finish the job. Jimmy Johnson went out there. And if it weren't for, you know, certain things that go on with uh, this final four format, I think he could have been up there and he could have won his final race. It would have been a big win, too. It would have been 84. Um, but, you know, he's one of the greatest ever. He, I, I went and uh, replied to his one of his throw his posts that thanking the fans. And I never thought that I would see a day that I would be so, like, I, would, I have become a fan of Jimmy Johnson, but I'm a fan of Jimmy Johnson. And I think it's less about the driver Jimmy Johnson, even though I'm, I'm going to root for him next year when he drives an Indy car, but it's, it's just who he is. 
And the guy has been doing this since he was a teenager, driving Mickey Thompson stadium trucks, racing against Ivan Ironman Stewart and, and, you know, Millen and, and Roger Mears and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, Rob McCaffrey and all the, all these people, you know, Ricky Johnson is his like pseudo uncle, whatever. And one of his heroes. I mean, this has been going on for decades. This has been, this is like supposed, this has been going on for a long time when he had a mullet and he didn't know how to, he didn't know how to uh, shave or whatever, all this thing. This has been going on for a long time. And for him to go, he has been class. He has been a leader. He is somebody that is accepted and is respected to win as many races. It, when you consider that he didn't, he, the last three years of his career were not great. And basically the last three and a half years of his career were not great relative to what he did. But you consider you talked about that 15, 16 year run that he went on, and that's elite. That's why Rick Hendrick didn't break him and chat up. They were about to in 2005, and quite frankly, if it weren't for a milk and cookies meeting, we may not know Jimmy Johnson or Chad Knauss at all. But um, the fact of the matter is that one meeting in after Homestead in 2005 set the tone for what we know now is Jimmy Johnson, 83 wins, seven championships, one of the greatest ever. But I think more than that, I think he's a better person. And fundamentally, whether people want to respect him or not about his accomplishments, question, all that, I don't think it really matters as much as who he is as a person. And uh, fundamentally, in a sport that's devoid of people who – are really classy and are, are really, or that, that take that extra step and are just truly good people. It, it's just unbelievable that a guy can be that good and just be that humble. And, and it's, it's something to lose. It's been a crazy time for us as fans. You know, we, we lost very good. Gordon retired in 15, uh, you know, Tony was going to retire in 15. They told him not to. He retired in 16. Junebug retired in 17. You consider Matt Kenseth, we're going to talk about him probably for in a minute. He's had a couple of retirements in and out. It's kind of like Mark Martin. But, you know, Matt Kenseth's a 40-plus race winner and a champion. Now now you got Jimmy Johnson. I mean, at some you have to wonder – on the one hand, yeah, there are people in place that could take this pedestal, but who else is going to go and take that stance? Who's going to take the the you know who's going to take that relay? Who's going to take the baton and and climb up and really be a leader in this sport? It's hard to replace people like Jimmy Johnson. It really is because they're that good. Uh, but um, I'm glad he got to run and run well and look like the Jimmy Johnson most everybody has gotten used to for decades. Uh, and it'll be cool to see him racing uh, Scotty McLaughlin for Rookie of the Year in the IndyCar Series next year. Yeah, it's crazy to think about him as a rookie. Um, but, you know, you touched on it, and you hit. I think you hit the nail on the head. He's been classy, and that was part of the reason why I, I never understood the flack he got too, because people kill Kyle Busch. And rightfully so sometimes for what he does and his antics sometimes really rubs people the wrong way. And, you know, it was like this guy's a seven-time champion and he's graceful. I always gave him credit because, you know, he was a, a young kid when I was really rooting hard for Bill Elliott. And he always ran the veterans with respect and never really ruffled feathers like Kurt Busch might have done or some of these younger kids, you know, who get into big equipment and start pushing around the veterans, it's almost like know your role, and Jimmy Johnson never did that. He never wrecked anybody, uh, hardly ever you know, said a bad word about anything. He actually raised a lot of eyebrows with his comments this past week about IndyCar and comparing uh, what NASCAR is doing with their cars because you just don't hear that from Jimmy Johnson ever. You don't hear Jimmy Johnson ever say anything, a bad word about anything. So it kind of raised people's eyebrows when he said, wow, he's not really a fan of where NASCAR is going with the, with the rules package here in the future. Uh, and so – 
hit the nail on the head in the seven championships. Like I said, I really truly believe, in, and people can argue with, about this, and this is a completely different discussion from another day, but I really believe if the championship was a full season championship, Jimmy Johnson would have been just as good as well there because they built – they really – what him and Chad did was they really played to the rules. They really played to the format that they had that year. And, you know, that's why he was so good when it came to later in the year and won all those races at the end of the year and won championships because they knew, hey, we can kind of not take the summer off but learn what we want to learn in the summer, get ready for the playoffs, and they did. And, bam, they would come on like wildfire. Um, and it was really remarkable to watch. And we're really going to miss him. Obviously, uh, another time we're retiring is Clint Boyer going to the Fox booth next week, next year. Um, I think we might have touched on this earlier. If not, just give me a quick thoughts on Clint Boyer's career. Um, for me, you know, and I touched on this a couple of times in the past, and I think you might have as well. Unfortunately, his career always had that black eye of, of Spingate um, in it, you know, involved in it. I know that might have been out of his control in a way, um, you know, just following team orders, but, you know, he was the guy that pulled that off. So uh, what are your thoughts on, on Clint Boyer quick and his run on Sunday? It's a good, relatively good run, basically what he's been doing. I uh, got to give credit to him to be able to find uh, a beautiful woman like he did in Laura. I mean, she's gorgeous uh, when you consider he has an 18 head. But uh, for for Clint, it's a good thing. Um, there's a clip of that they had on Race Hub, it looks like, or the pre-race on the on Fox where Cash went and interviewed him. Cash and Presley went, well, Presley just sat there and kind of played a, a supporting role. And Cash went and interviewed his dad. And quite frankly, already, I, I think as much as uh, everyone's looking, a lot of people looking forward to Clint Boyer going into the booth. And uh, I, I think he's already got a hot seat because Cash is, is ready uh, to for TV. Uh, he definitely, he's got the interview game down. He's able to, interview his buddy Owen who I'm sure they're going to be doing bits for them those two starting with Daytona um, people want to watch it. I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere or whatever it's on Fox Sports whatever but that was a funny funny uh, little interview there and it got got uh, Clint on his toes and you're talking about a guy that has no filter and he's just real and it's good uh, it's good to have somebody like that. Hopefully he doesn't get, uh, you know, held back in the booth. Uh, he ran his course. Spingate basically was the end of his career. He never really was the same kind of guy after that. He had one good year in 2018 with Stuart Haas in the 14 car, um, you know, uh, but he really wasn't that great in that car. Um, he wanted to hold on, I think. I think he wanted to keep on running. He'd have probably ended up at like Front Row Motorsports or some other team, and we saw what he did, or what it's been talked about what he did in the in for H Scott Motorsports. I don't think it would have worked out. Uh, taking the cash to go work on TV is not a bad idea, and he has a good chemistry with Jeff Gordon, and so maybe it'll make Jeff Gordon not be a robot. It'll make Mike Joy be awake, and the senility might not kick in all the time. Um, Credit Clint Boyer, good career. You know, won some one ten races. It's ten more races than either of us are going to win. Um, he's he's, you know, down home. You know, uh, Kansas. Every he's he's is a hardcore, and uh, dude can pound a thirty rack like no other. And he's still bummed. He looks like a freaking broomstick. So God bless him. I'll tell you, whatever his exercise routine must be strong because the amount of beer that guy's had, I. It, it amazes me. I'd like to know what the heck his diet is to go and pound as many beers he's had and is going to continue to have now that he's a full-time, retired full-time driver. I'm sure he's going to drive other things. He's going to run dirt, I'm sure, uh, you know, start next year. Oh, yeah. There's no question. We'll see him racing here and there, um, you know, outside of NASCAR, I'm sure. But he'll be in the booth, and he'll be very vocal, and you're right. Good career, Clint Boyer, nothing, nothing to be ashamed about. Uh, and, and just real quick, and I know we've, you said we've done this a few times in the past, 
we have. But Matt Kenseth is a guy who can't be overlooked either. Uh, 697 career starts, 39 wins, you know, was a 2003 champion, um, a, a hell of a race car driver, there's no question. And I know this year was, trust me, it was not what they wanted. 32 starts at two top 10 finishes this year. And what, what really was crazy was he came out at Darlington and finished 10th. And I remember sitting there when he finished at Darlington at 10th place run, and I went, okay, Matt's ready to go. They're, they're, they're going to have a pretty good year. And it just completely fell apart for him uh, in this 42 team. Chad Johnson got fired. Phil Surgeon took over as crew chief. Um, and, you know, now it's going to be Ross Chastain in that car moving forward here in 2021. But um, not the best year. I, I think the lack of practice and qualifying really hurt Matt Kenseth a lot. But what were your thoughts on, on Matt Kenseth's run here in 2020 and, and his career as a whole? Oh, I'm not really. I think the, this year it's an unfortunate end. It kind of fits the the usual narrative for great drivers. Um, they don't usually have a graceful end. Um, this is yet another example of that. I mean, Matt Kenseth won. It would have been a good way for him to stop uh, with that year, 2017, when he won at Phoenix. And um, that would have been good for him. Uh, and, and he stopped it there. Then Roush called him to run the six because Trevor Bain was garbage, you know, and then he had health issues, whatever. Then he went and sat back again, ran the late model. He was able to beat Ty Majewski uh, at Slinger and uh, get a big win there, which, I mean, Ty Majewski is one of the best late model drivers ever, and um, that's a big deal. And then he decided to come back because of Larson, um, you know, being who he is, and uh, it just didn't work out because Ganassi at the end of the day is, I mean, and it, it, it also speaks to Larson's talent too, uh, that he was able to work through the fact that, Chad Johnson was a horrible crew chief and that, uh, you know, that pit crew is not good and these cars are not that great. I mean, Kurt Busch needed a miracle uh, basically to get to the Elite Eight. But once they got to the Elite Eight, that one car kind of looked like, to a point, what they look like most of last year. And uh, there's positive signs there. You're going to bring in Ross Chastain uh, coming in 2021. But uh, Matt Kenseth, if this is the end, absolute end, which I figure it is, uh, three years' time or however many years' time before they go and make you eligible for the NASCAR Hall of Fame, uh, I, they, the people that vote for it, I, I question their process. I mean, you've had rants about the Hall of Fame, Clayton. I, I have rants about the Hall of Fame because of certain people um, not getting unanimous induction or whatever based on, you know, specifically one guy um, that dates Leah Pritchett or I mean Leah Pruitt, but I think Matt Kenseth is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, you know, two-time Daytona 500 winner. He won every big race outside of Indy, but he, 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 he finished second in every manufacturer. So that's something, but um, Kenseth's just a salt of the earth. He's a funny guy, sarcastic, dry he has one of the driest wits there is and uh he's a character but you need to get to know him and you need to hear him you know offline when it's a little easy going and he'll get to go home to katie and all the girls he's the only guy in a house full of girls so god bless him uh, i figure he'll be racing too uh we'll see him around i think srx might be calling as well for uh, Matt Kenseth. I don't think he's done by any means in that sense. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and no doubt, first pound Hall of Famer. Um, and it wasn't a year that, that I think anybody expected him to have. But, you know, I give him credit for even saying, you know what, I want to come back and do this. And uh, I I went nuts about the, the uh, get getting the playoff wait, waiver, which somehow they, they allowed it to do. But you know, it was cool to see Matt still back at the track, and, and like you said, he's got that, that dry but funny personality. But um, we're gonna miss him. He was he to me when I look at Matt Kenseth, all I can think about is just a, an extremely talented race car driver who was handed nothing and, and worked his rear end off to get there. I mean, he got the Robbie Reiser's push car and performed. 
uh, and then caught the eye of Jack Roush, and then the rest was history. You know, it was just tremendous uh, and everything that he drove. So he deserves a lot of credit for his career, for sure. 917-889-8280, that's the number to call. Uh, we went on to the Philly Series race at Phoenix. It was a Desert Diamond Casino West Valley 200 NASCAR Xfinity Series race from Phoenix. The four guys who were in the championship, Chase Briscoe, Justin Haley, Justin Allgaier, and Austin Cedric, um, for a while there, it looked like it was going to be Justin Allgaier. Another late race caution. We'll discuss that too with the Truck Series event. A late race caution took Allgaier out of the championship run uh, on a late race restart, and Cedric was able to pass him for the win. Noah Gregson finished second. Brandon Jones third. Uh, Michael in that fourth. Allgaier ended up fifth. Then it was Harrison Burton, Ross Chastain, Hale, Justin Haley was eighth, Chase Briscoe ninth, and Jeremy Clements tenth. Briscoe, who had nine wins, had a hell of a year, is going to cup next year. And ninth place spun at one point in this race, but he also led a little bit as well. Uh, but what were your thoughts on Austin Cedric? I mean, here's a kid who, in the beginning of the year, I think we were all kind of waiting, saying, can he put it all together on these, um, on these oval tracks and really start to – to become a NASCAR driver on these oval tracks. And in the middle of the year, he did. I mean, he won three straight races, uh, five and five races and six tries in the middle of July. And then he sort of went away here in the playoffs. But when he needed to win, he did. And he won at Phoenix to get the championship. What were your thoughts on Austin Cindric's victory at Phoenix? You've got to give him credit. I, I use, I'm not a, I'm not a Gumby guy by any stretch. And, I'm guilty of, or I'm, I'm one to call, you know, daddy's money or nepotism, but quite frankly, uh, you know, Cindric a lot like uh, Clyde last over these last two weeks, he had to grind his way into this race. And then once they got to this race, unlike his cup teammates, he was able to make the pit stops were good He was able to use track position. And then in the end, Brian Wilson was able to give him a set of tires and put him in a position on that last restart to, to win this race, win this championship and snatch it from all And he did it. And, and frankly, it's, it for me, I mean, the fandom side, putting the fandom aside for who my driver is, it's good for the Xfinity series that you have a returning champion um, that will be the same team. And he's definitely the favorite going into 2021. You look at the top six in this race, seven of the top eight and eight of the top 10, they're all returning next year. So the Xfinity series for as crazy as it was in 2020, of course, with COVID, there's going to be a lot of races with no practice and this algorithm deal. You're going to see a lot. It's I think the, the Xfinity series provided the best racing generally. I do believe that 200 miles to, to, to crown a champion at a one-mile racetrack is not enough. Um, it's part and parcel for running at Phoenix is not great. I think they need to increase the distances of all the races. Probably have to go to 350 uh, laps for the cup. You have to run 200, at least 250 laps for the Xfinity and run 200 for the trucks. I think that would actually provide at least some semblance of what you deal with during most of the season. Um, And, but, you know, Austin Sindrick, Penske, They've won a driver title with Brad Keselowski 10 years ago um, in the 22 car. Much different situation 10 years ago than we are at now. Um, Sindrick, he can go and hold his head up high. You know, he's, he's had to deal with the fact that he's the son of the guy that runs Penske Racing. And, and for a lot of time, it basically was the reason why he has a job. But this year, he's proven that he has the chops. He's going to be driving the 21 car in 2022. He already knows it. He's going to be running limited races. And when he runs those limited races, I'm sure there's going to be a couple on road courses. And it's going to be a problem for them cup guys because he's a road racer first. Uh, So 
Credit to Austin Cindric, man. He went and and beat uh, all guyer there and took his soul. And I'm sure he's gonna be whining and wife's gonna be whining, but I, I think if if the '98 had actually had anything to work with, it might have been a little more interesting. But it really just came down to the 22 and the seven, and the 22 showed up and did what they had to do. No doubt, and and you do feel for Allgaier in a, in a way. He's been in this series a long, long time, um, and he's not totally, you know, uh, he, I don't think he's got a sight set for Cup, I should say. So he's going to be in this Xfinity Series for a while, going to be running for championships for a while. But still, you know, you feel for him saying he had a really good car, and if that caution doesn't come out, he probably wins the championship. But that was a legit caution, there's no question. It was a guy running for the championship who brought out the caution, so – you know, which is different than what we're going to discuss in the truck series here in a little bit. But um, you, you do feel for him, and you feel for Chase Briscoe as well, who had a great year. But he's going to Cup next year, and, and he's probably going to be a real force in this Cup series, if not next year, the year after, and really put his, put his head together and really be a smart driver. Chase Briscoe did what he needed to do this year in 2020, and that was really prove that he could be a solid, solid driver and a championship contender and win races when he win a bunch of races, and he did. Um, you know, so I felt like um, the Caldig teams, I, I felt, I said this earlier in the week, uh, on last week's show, I should say, that the Caldig teams are, I think, a year away from being really, really strong as far as championship contenders are concerned. They're a really good team, there's no question, but they don't they don't lead a lot of laps. They don't really go up there and dominate races just yet. I feel like they, they got to learn how to win yet, and they're going against cup teams, and, and a lot of teams have affiliation with cup teams uh that that have a lot of experience doing that and, and pit crews are a lot different so um Haley did a good job eighth and, and even getting the final four I thought he did a great job and he's a kid to keep an eye on next year he's a kid to keep an eye on in the future of the sport here you mentioned the extended series having a lot of guys coming back Cindric as well Gregson's gonna be back Brandon Jones will be back Michael Annette will be back Allgaier Harrison Burton so you know you talked about a lot of big drivers coming back here next year for this Xfinity series it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. So um, can't wait. You know, we got – right now we're looking at it. I think it's 98 days till the Daytona 500 already uh, in the Xfinity Series. So it's 97 until Xfinity starts. Um, but it's going to be a lot of fun to watch that series next year as well. 917-889-8280, that's the number to call here if you want to discuss anything tonight on Talking Circles. Uh, NASCAR, Gander RV, and Outdoors Truck Series. Can't wait till that changes next year where really from, from – this race on, we can call it the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series again. It just flows so much better. Um, but that was another race that had a late race caution. A, a driver who is a friend of the show had gotten a wreck, uh, but he was running with lead lap cars, was a few laps down, got involved with the wreck with two to go, and Brett Moffitt was going to win the championship. Moffitt had a huge, huge lead on, uh, on I think, Ren Enfinger at that point. Enfinger was fast, but he couldn't ch- catch him. And if Ma, if it was a lap later, Moffitt's your champion, but they had to do a late race restart. Zane Smith and Sheldon Creed and a couple of others pitted for tires, where tires were really a factor. Um, Moffitt and, and Enfinger were out on older tires and kind of got pushed around at the end on that final restart. And it was Sheldon Creed going to victory lane. Zane Smith finished second. Chandler Smith third. And then it was uh, Christian Eckes, Raphael Lassard, Stuart Friesen, Ben Rhodes, Tyler Ankrum, Todd Gilliland, and Brett Moffat 10th, and Enfinger, for people keeping score at home, finished 13th. But he was second place with two laps to go when that caution came out. What were your thoughts on the truck series? You have to feel for Brett Moffat. I know he had some very interesting comments about his team and his crew chief at the end of that race. Uh, and it's really kind of lets you know he's not going back to GMS next year. Um, but there is talk, there is confirmed reports he's going to be at least part-time in the Xfinity series. But uh, what were your thoughts on the Truck Series event before we get too far ahead of ourselves here out at Phoenix? Yeah, Brett Moffat went scorched earth on um, GMS there. The last two years, you think about a lot of the interviews he's had. A lot of top fives contended for wins but haven't been able to close. And he said a lot of the same things that he said on, on Friday. Um, wasn't as aggressive or as angry. But um, I'd be angry, too, if you lose the championship. (laughs) Um, uh, The way that they've lost the championship the last two years, 
uh, in the truck series. I mean, last year, of course, they weren't even a factor to win the race because Austin Hill won the race and it was dominating fashion at Homestead, which is a way better track to hold the finale than Phoenix. But that's beside the point. Um, credit to uh, Sheldon Creed. I mean, the fact is GMS has dominated this season. Uh, the battle of the two big teams, them and Thor Sport, it was three against one. Enfinger put himself in a place to where he kind of had a shot. It wasn't as good as his Martinsville truck. If he had had a truck or a situation like he had at Martinsville with Jeff Hensley, I think he could have faded those um, GMS trucks. 21 really, 21 was uh, led the second most laps, but I never really considered Zane Smith a factor uh, as much as Sheldon Creed or Brett Moffitt. Brett Moffitt's won at Phoenix before. Uh, honest to God, he, it, it, it would have been, it, it would have made more, it would have been something for Gil, or for, for Moffitt to go and, and get um, that championship. Uh, he's won one, and he's probably been due for at least one more. Uh, it kind of speaks to a lot that goes on in the Cup Series. Um Unfortunate for him driving a uh, the Plan B truck and um, going to be a Jimmy Johnson tribute. He wasn't able to close like Jimmy Johnson, but you have to give credit to Sheldon Creed. He's uh, Robbie Gordon's protege. He made a restart that looked a lot like Robbie Gordon. He acts like Robbie Gordon. He drives like Robbie Gordon. It's just like he's except he's just really really mellow instead of really intense. So it's a good thing for Chevrolet. It was a great weekend for Chevrolet, honestly. You're, you have your cup champion, who's the third youngest cup champion ever. Your trucks, you win the truck series. Um, you win manufacturer's title, and you have have a driver that eventually, if you know, finances and all things considered, is going to be in the cup series and is, is a real hot shoe and Sheldon Creed. Um, I think it's a very uh, positive weekend for them and positive weekend for GMS since they're bringing back Creed, they're bringing back Smith. I'm not sure who else will be uh, running um, full-time. I think those are the two guys that are definitely going to be running full-time for the championship. Curious who will be in that third full-time truck uh, coming into next year. Since I figure Sam yeah. is probably going to be running a fourth truck um, part-time before he gets the Xfinity ride with Junior. Well, you got Connor Ankrum there, too, so who knows where GMS, uh, four or five, maybe five trucks, David Gravel, who was, uh, ran a few races for that team as well, now he's going to go all that while racing, and then while he did that, he said, you know, I don't have anything planned for a t- truck series. I need money to do that. I don't have the money to do that right now. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see – trucks as well, of course, you look at it, and a lot of those guys are going to be back as well, like we talked about with the Xfinity Series. So um, it's going to be a lot of fun next year, but congratulations to Sheldon Creed. He's a guy who's got an ARCA championship now, and now he's got a truck championship. And, you know, next year when the Xfinity Series, start, maybe there's some of those rides start to, to open up a little bit, he's going to be mentioned in a few rides. Uh, Zane Smith had a great year this year coming out party couple of guys did and, and there's a couple of guys who had a decent year who you look at and you say they need to have a good year next year they could fall off the radar as far as um being being talked about as a driver of the future and that's Todd Gilland who ran a full year with front row motorsports but you know we'll see if anything happens with that ride uh Johnny Sauter who had a miserable miserable 2020 season uh, you can you can underline it, capitalize it, italicize it, put it in bold. Miserable season. Couldn't wait for 2020 to end. Apparently he's going to be back there as well. So um, a lot of storylines going into 2021 for the trucks. But uh, first of all, you know, Talking Circle is going to be here throughout the off season. We'll probably take off the weekend of Thanksgiving or the week of Thanksgiving. We'll probably take off the week of Christmas as well. And we'll talk about maybe the New Year's, depending on the news as well. We'll try and get creative with content throughout the off season. But we'll be back here next week. We'll, we'll uh, kind of let the cat out of the bag a little bit. We'll get some report cards on the year, talk about some of the 
uh, silly season news, if there's any, and uh, really look forward to 2021, uh, wrapping up the 2020 season, I should say, and, and then we'll start pushing our head towards 2021. But I, I, a great year for NASCAR as far as they finished their season. They got all the races in. Um, it wasn't exactly how they had it planned, obviously, but with everything that was going on with COVID, they only had really two major incidents, really three if you include the pit crew um, incident, incident with COVID at the end of the year. They didn't have too many incidences, Austin Dillon, um, Jimmy Johnson as well. But it was a great year for them. They did a lot of good things. Chase Elliott's a champion, and they can sit this offseason and, and get prepared for Daytona. And uh, it's going to be fun to watch. You know, 98 days till the Daytona 500. And the offseason is a little bit longer because they shortened the season up a little bit this year. And they lengthened the offseason because we don't have that Sunday or Saturday at Daytona anymore. It's going to be a Wednesday with everything going on. So it's four or five days even longer for the offseason. But we'll, we'll keep you informed here on Talking Circles. I want to thank Philip Matthews. He's been great all year with, with us. I think he's done a, he did every show but one this year, which is incredible. And um, uh, Spencer Cowan as well has shipped in here here and there as well. So uh, I want to thank everybody for listening, and we'll be with you throughout the offseason. Good night, everybody.